Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Book your New Jersey summer vacation. Get ready for sunshine vibes and waves of beach and boardwalk fun. Go for exciting destinations, entertaining nightlife, and endless outdoor adventures. Whether relaxing along 130 miles of Jersey Shore or climbing high in the Skylands. Create your New Jersey summer escape at visitnj.org slash book now. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry, and joining me again is Jack Duffin. Jack, how's things going, buddy? Good to be back. Um, had, had some great fun writing. Um, no, and it was really, really good response to everything out there. So, uh, no, happy to be back. Um, love chatting Browns. It's the only thing sort of keeping me sane with everything going on in the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a quiet time right now. There's not much going on as it pertains to the Browns. Uh, we're, we're getting closer to free agency. We're about a month out. Uh, there is no combine next weekend, so that does put a damper on some uh, Browns chat because there's not much to talk about in terms of the draft at this point. Um we, we are going to chat about some of the articles you wrote this week over at the Dogland. But before we get to that, there was big NFL news a couple of days ago. Uh, the Carson Wentz trade finally went down. He's going to the Colts. Uh, the Eagles get back a third-round pick in 2021 and a conditional second in 2022 that could become a first-round pick, depending on playing time and whether or not the Colts make the playoffs, which, um, you know, when I look at this, you know, Carson Wentz has had a, a – bad couple seasons um it you could say he could be going down towards the direction of what a rg3 was where he was just broken physically um you know needing a fresh start just because of the turmoil going on within an organization and i feel like the colts were the best option for him so that that always made sense for him and i feel like he's going to get a good opportunity because the colts have a good team they're building the right way in terms of their defense they build up the offensive line some of their skill players uh jack when you look at this you know what do you think of carson wentz and do you think like the colts could be a viable super bowl contender with him if he can get his career back on track um i i, I think it, it's a move that makes sense for both sides i don't think they're a super bowl contender i think they should be able to get to the playoffs because i think he's just going to regress back to about average He's not going to be that tiny little stint where they were talking about MVP um, stuff. Um, he's just going to regress to normal. And I, I think it, it's just a time for you to eat an L here. Um, the king, the man, the myth, the legend, Paul D. Podesta was mercilessly mocked when he said, 
this guy's not a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. Browns fans still have a beef about it. And uh, quite frankly, they need to all go e and if, if you've doubted Paul D. Podesta at any point, e and um, The guy is legit. Um, every major time we've seen him banging the table, whether it's on coaching candidates, uh, McDermott, Stefanski, whether it's on uh, Wentz isn't the top 20 quarterback. Obviously, from the outside, we, we, we don't know all the stuff that gets said behind the scenes, but they're sort of the three big things that have come out. And all three resounding W's. Yeah, it was funny yesterday. Corey Kennan, who is you know fantastic when it comes to his Browns coverage, uh, was rehashing old or old tweets from some of the media members about uh, Carson Wentz and how you know the Browns failed not getting him. And I went ahead and I went and searched my old tweets about it. And uh, you know I, I'll take the L. I'll take the L. I it was 2017. The Browns were winless and they were just looking very bad. And, you know, Carson Wentz was balling out. That was his MVP season before he got hurt. And I think it was one of those moments where I was just I was just fed up. I was just frustrated. I didn't understand the direction at first of what the Browns were trying to do with Sashi and D Podesta. But I'll take the L on that one for sure. Like, you know, D Podesta and them were right. They were justified in trading down. Uh, unfortunately, because it got rehashed over the last couple of days because people wanted to say, well, the Browns won the trade. They did get some good picks out of it. You know, Jabril Peppers, which turned into Odell Beckham. They got Jarvis, or um, not Jarvis Landry, uh, Denzel Ward out of the trade. They, I mean, they did get some pieces that have helped with this current run. But, like, I think you can look back and say neither side really won because the Eagles, after five years, let Carson Wentz go. And then on the Brown side, while they did get some players, I mean, they didn't cash in like they wanted to when they do these big trade downs like they've done over the years. Um, yeah, it wasn't as beneficial as they'd like it to be. I think a large question of that rolls around coaching as well, um, because you could draft perfectly and all of these guys could have the potential to go on to be Hall of Famers. If you've got an awful coach, it's probably not going to go that route. So um, I, I think um, Hugh Jackson and his coaching staff needs to take a, a, some of the blame there. But yeah, by all means, the, the, some of the drafting wasn't great. Um, but the, there is some amazing talent in there. You've obviously got Denzel Ward in there. Um, you've got some other guys. And quite frankly, if you look at the two lists, which of the two lists would I want? I'm taking that Browns list 100 times out of 100. Um, so, no, I, I think it's it's an interesting one for the Colts. Um, if they can get him back to average, he gets them to the playoffs. He's only on like 25 million a year, which for a veteran quarterback isn't bad for two years. Um, but no, the, the Eagles need to clean house. Um, my priority personally is making sure uh, Jalen Hurts starts week one because I bet that on Super Bowl week. So uh, that's the priority. And then uh, I got in there ju- with the bookies just bef- after the Schefter announced the news and before the UK bookies could take the odds down and got a max bet on Carson Wentz to start week one. So Carson, my boy, stay healthy, wrap up warm, um, and just don't get hurt in the preseason. Yeah, the final return of the trade after all the picks, and then the Browns obviously sent some of those picks and other trades. They got Jordan Elliott, who we expect to play a bigger role in 2021, Denzel Ward, and Odell Beckham. And if you look at it, the trade they did with Tennessee, Tennessee moved up to get Jack Conklin. The Browns ended up getting Jack Conklin via, via free agency. So 
at the end of the day, you could say the Browns won the trade. You know, the Eagles could say they won the trade because while once didn't win the Super Bowl for them, he had a hand in it. So maybe we just call it a draw at this point. Both sides won the trade. I mean, you can't, it's, it's like the Kyrie Irving trade in terms of the Cavs. Like everybody wants to argue who won the trade between the Cavs and the Celtics. Um, I mean, Boston didn't really win it. The Cavs really didn't win it. So just call it a draw at this point. Um, you know, moving forward, Jack, you wrote three great articles after the offseason deep dive series was over. And if anybody hasn't seen those yet or listened back to our previous episodes, please do so at the dogland.com. Uh, the first one that you wrote earlier this week, Jack, was looking at what a potential Denzel Ward extension look like. looks like. You, you did Baker Mayfield, you did Nick Chubb, and you did Wyatt Teller. And Denzel Ward is obviously another big piece that could be a, a potential extension this offseason. Uh, you went back and looked at some of the cornerbacks that got paid uh, last year and how they could relate to what Denzel could get. Denzel's obviously a fascinating one because while he is talented, he's had the injury bug. So I think there's a there's a there's probably a good internal debate in Berea about whether or not you pay Denzel. And I think obviously the fans would want to keep him around just because he is a key part of the defense. But go ahead and you know briefly touch on how you think this contract would look like, how you compare it to other corners, and do you think it's worth the risk to take a chance on a guy like Ward to extend? Yeah, so um, this is one I I think if I'm in their shoes, I don't extend him this offseason, um, purely because, hey, he's been amazing. No one's going to doubt that. Um, incredible stats. We spoke about when we did the cornerback show. But it's just the lack of games that scare me. He generally misses, what, about four games a season? That's 25% of the season. Um, do I want to give a big deal to that that player? The answer to me is no. So firstly, we'll start off this whole debate by going, hey, I'll wait another year. But if you want to get it done, key thing is be first. You've got some big deals that can happen this year. So Marshawn Lattimore, Jair Alexander, Dory Jackson, Colton Davis. Um, so there's no one really in free agency, but all of those four guys could get big money. So if you want to extend Ward, got to do it before them. Um, if we look at the cornerback deals, there were sort of five um, big deals signed last year. So we've got Byron Jones, Darius Slay, Tredavious White. The market then exploded with Jalen Ramsey. And Marlon Humphreys then sort of got on the back of that. Um, so we'll talk about where that lane lands. But we're looking at like, Tredavious White, 18 and 19 million a year. Jalen Ramsey, 20.6 a year. Marlon Humphreys, 20 a year. So that that's sort of the top end there. Um, and obviously that jump by Jalen Ramsey was massive. It's Tredavious White would have waited um, just a week. He probably gets at least another million a year. Um, so when we're talking about B first, that's the sort of value you get. And you're like, hey, it's only a, a million um, a year. But hey, why not? I'd rather have a um, four or five year deal and have that million to spend somewhere else. So we have to go back to 2019. I was searching for sort of a player that had injury history um, and got a deal. So that was Xavier Howard. Um, so he played 13 out of 16 games in 2018, 12 out of 16 in 2019, and then 13 out of 18 in 2020. Um, so it's he was that similar sort of because those first two years he, he had injuries and it's like, mm, no, sorry. That was Ward. <laughs> Sorry. Those are Ward's injuries. Now let's look at Xavier Howard. It was 35 games out of 48. 
So Ward played 76% of his games four up to this point, And Xavier Howard has played 73% of games up to when he was extended. So similar, Xavier Howard got a massive deal. 75 million over five years. So we're talking 19 million a year. Um, there, Once we adjust it and move it back a year, so it's in line with the 2020 cap, you're looking at seven, uh, 79 million over five years, 20 million a year in those sort of first two years. So it, it's, it's a big deal. Um, and it wasn't really hampered. The fact that he had missed over a quarter of the games didn't stop him getting paid. And for that reason, his agent's going to be sitting there and going, hey, Xavier Howard got paid. Um, I'm not going to take this discount because a lot of the injuries, you can say, hey, it's luck, it's other things. Um, pay me. Um, because I can get easy Xavier Howard sort of level on the market. So it comes into that debate of where, where you slot him. And I sort of looked at that. I said, look, we'll give it a slight discount for the injuries, but we're not going to give it a massive discount. Um, the market's obviously jumped because of the Jalen Ramsey deal. And the cornerback market for the last three, four years um, has been short. Patrick Peterson got a massive deal, but no one else really followed that in the past. So the final number I came with, is 90 million over five years. It effectively breaks it down to a two-year deal of 40, two new years of 45 million. So that keeps him under contract for four more years. And then after that, he's got 10.8 million option, 16.6 million option, 17.6 million option. So yeah, it'd be pricey to walk away after those two new years. But it's it's not then ridiculous to keep him around after that. So I, I think... This is a realistic deal. Um, people are going to go, whoa, that's a lot of money. Hey, he's a great corner. And one of the things people and why trade downs often get lost on people because they, they're looking at just headline stuff. The fact that he's a, the fourth overall pick means he deserves to get paid like those top guys. And you can't ever take that away. Where a guy was drafted stays with him forever. If he was a second round pick, hey, we could easily be talking about, yeah, let's take a million off for each year um, and we'll, we'll give him 85 over five. That is the difference of being drafted in the first round and the second round by being drafted number four. If you trade down and you end up taking a corner of his level, has exactly the same career, nothing's different, you can easily save a million a year. So it's another sort of value of, hey, why not trade down? If you still hit, then yeah, you can get them cheaper on the next deal. So loads of deals details on there jump over to the dogland.com it's all broken down how much money per year hey everything's back loaded um so the next three years would be cheap before it really got to anything um but no I, I think it's a fair deal if you want to get it done do it i'm in favor spread that talent out the room let's have loads of options there and we'll decide in a year's time who's best greedy williams draft pick gary and conley potentially um and just sort of yeah See what sticks to the wall. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, and I'm with you, I could see that they would wait and say, hey, we want to see another year just to be sure before we commit long-term money to him because he's missed four games in each of the last two seasons. He missed three his rookie year. I mean, there's no doubting what Denzel Ward brings on the field. The only thing is, is he going to be able to stay healthy? Is I mean, he has... They were just like hamstring pulls. I forget what the injury was this year. It might have been a hamstring again. Uh, the rookie year, he had two concussions. So that was obviously a cause for concern right away. But he's been smarter in terms of tackling, you know, hitting guys. Uh, 
but I could see where they would just say, hey, we want to wait to see if you're going to be durable. This is a lot of money we're going to commit to you, but we just want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And I can't fault them for doing that. In terms of the money, I feel like that's that's a fair deal. He's one of the top corners. Is he the best? No. There's, there's cornerbacks better than Denzel Ward, but the guy is effective. I know some people will look at him and say, he's only got seven career interceptions over three seasons. Like, much like sacks, you can't just look at interceptions the way you look at people look at sacks and say, well, Miles Garrett doesn't get the most sacks every year. He shouldn't be paid this much money. Just because you don't hit those basic box score statistics doesn't mean you're not an effective corner or a defensive player just like Miles Garrett. Pro football reference, they have an advanced defense. You look at when people target Denzel Ward. Rookie year, his QB rating, 72.8. Second year, 62.2. This past season, it went back up to 78.3, but that's not bad. It means when players are throwing, quarterbacks are throwing towards Denzel Ward, he's getting the job done. Yes, he's given up 10 touchdowns over three seasons, but that's on almost 250 targets. So that's not bad at all. Denzel Ward is one of, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's not the best. But he's definitely up there in the conversation. He does get overlooked. So I feel like, you know, if I'm the Browns, you get an extension done. Might not be this year, but definitely next year. I think they'll pick up the fifth-year option, and then they'll go from there. But I feel like he is a definite cornerstone of this defense, but he's just got to stay on the field and stay healthy. Yeah, and the other thing about obviously waiting is, say this TV deal's out and they the cap's going to be – 250 million a year potentially in two years time then if you're blowing that 20 million a year if he if he's healthy for a year that 18 million a year that we're offering now is then 20 million a year and then um who knows the cap's gone up let, let's call it 22 million a year so if he's perfectly healthy next year and he balls out and we're talking about him as one of the top five corners ¿Te preocupas por tu familia? Entonces, ¿por qué darle solo huevos ordinarios cuando pueden disfrutar de lo mejor? Egglands Best, los únicos huevos con ese delicioso sabor fresco de granja, además de la mejor nutrición, como 6 veces más vitamina D, 10 veces más vitamina E y 25% menos de grasa saturada que los huevos regulares, además de muchos otros nutrientes importantes. Así que, dales los mejores huevos. Egglands Best, mejor sabor, mejor nutrición, mejores huevos. Did you know that improper disposal of batteries can spark fires? The disposal of rechargeable batteries in household trash has caused a number of fires on garbage trucks and at trash and recycling centers. These fires cost millions of dollars in physical damage each year and put lives in danger. Batteries do not belong in regular trash or recycling. Learn the proper way to dispose of batteries at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Republic Services and American Disposal Services. And he's getting actually really public credibility for it. He's going well over 20. Um, he, he's getting at least 20.5 um, right around Jalen Ramsey. Um, so, yeah, be under no illusion. 18 million a year might sound a lot, maybe because it's 90 over five. But that, that, that that's what great players are. And it, it's new, guys. We haven't had great players to pay outside of Joe Thomas for a long time. Um and yeah, they command a lot of money. Without a doubt. And speaking of more money, uh, we're going to move on to the next article you wrote. 
And this was, I think, a controversial one. Uh, looking at the social media comments and our reaction to it, it uh, you know, when Jarvis Landry is the uh, subject of a topic, it, uh, it fires people up for sure. Um, when you look at his current deal, he, you know, he doesn't have a lot of guaranteed money left, if any at all. Um, he's, okay, he's got yeah, nothing this, effectively. Okay, yeah, no guaranteed salary. He does have some per game roster bonuses coming in this year. He's got the workout bonuses, but that's generally it. And he's got prorated bonuses, but if they're going to restructure his deal and you wrote about this, Jack, it would essentially probably, it would become a contract extension. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yeah, because you could go up to him and ask for a pay cut like they did with Vernon. Um, and then yeah, you can sort of renegotiate, but if you're adding in, in any real way, you're going to be adding future years on because um, this is the point when people say, Hey, ask him for a pay cut. Um, he loves the team, etc. Look, you can do that. But if you do not have the intention of cutting X player, you can never ask them for a pay cut. And that's something fans need to sort of almost comprehend before they sit there and go, Hey, just, just ask him for a pay cut. He'll do it. He loves the team. You've got to be prepared to cut a guy. If you want them to take a pay cut, because if you walk into that room and you go, we're not going to cut you if you say no, but do you mind taking a pay cut? He's just going to look at you and laugh at you. Can you imagine doing that in a place of work? Um, it would just be ridiculous. And and that's effectively what people argue about on Twitter. If you're not willing to say no, you can't do that. And they did it with Vernon. They were all around the market. That was clowny. They were sniffing around in Gokway. They were sniffing around any sort of edge that come in, ideally a one-year deal. And were they legitimately after them? Possibly. Um, but that's something you can then go back to Vernon's team and go, look, we're sniffing around. We we might go for this guy. And then he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll cut two million out of my salary, three million out of my salary um, to stay. You fully guarantee it basically at that point. Um, but if you're not willing to cut a guy, don't ever say, I'll ask him for a pay cut. Yeah. And they did the same thing with Joe Hayden a couple of years back. I think it was 20, 2017. I think Sashi was still here. They asked him to take a pay cut. He didn't take ones, and they and then they cut him. And that was like the shock. Everybody's like, well, why'd they ask him to take a pay cut? Well, because Joe Hayden's game was falling off, and he was hurt a lot, much like a Denzel Ward. The injuries were starting to stack up, and you know they the Browns were clearly rebuilding, and they asked Joe to take a pay cut. He said no. They cut him, and he went to Pittsburgh, and he's had a couple good seasons, but I think the Browns still would do that over again if they had to because Hayden wasn't the same player. Uh, but when you look at Landry, and you wrote about this, it, you looked at what a potential extension would look like, and you know you broke it down. You compared him to other slot receivers, and uh, I had this argument with somebody who's a coworker, and I said Landry's a, a slot receiver. He goes, "No, he's not a slot receiver." I said, "Look at the numbers. He's lined up in the slot more than he's lined up outside. He's not as fast as other receivers." I mean, he's essentially a slot receiver. And, you know, when they signed him to this extension, Jack, uh, when we traded for him, obviously we knew, like, the sal the franchise tag was going to be the base mark because Miami had decided to franchise him. Was he overpaid at the time? Yes. And I think everybody could say that because the franchise tag put us in a position where we had to sign him to that much amount because his agent clearly wasn't going to take less than that per year. And has he lived up to the contract? No. But you also, you're, you're, and this gets brought up, you talk about his leadership, 
his attitude, his fieriness, uh, what he brings off the field more than he brings on the field. And people say, well, that no- his salary is justified. And you and Pete Smith get buried every single day, it seems like, on social media because you guys bring that up. And while does that matter in terms of building a football team? No, but that's just why people like Jarvis Landry. So uh, I want to touch on the intangibles before we go into the main piece, but um, has he been a positive influence off the field? Yes. I don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone says no to that. Myself, Pete Smith, everyone. It then comes down to how much of a positive influence. And so he came in 2018, was a positive influence in 2018. The culture got better, etc. If his input is that important, and, and by all means, tweet me if you've got the answer to this, because it's the question I'm trying to search for, and no one will give me a straight answer, is why did it, the culture go down the pan in 2019? If his impact is that great, the culture couldn't have got worse in 2019. And what happened? It did. And that's something that no one wants to address. And the, the way I see it, and I, I think I, I'm happy speaking for Pete here, is the leadership culture and everything is set by the head coach in our eyes. If the head coach isn't there, it doesn't matter what other guys are doing. And that's not saying what everyone else does is completely irrelevant, but it's saying all of that stuff is set by the head coach first. And then for me personally, what do I put a number two on that list? It's the quarterback. The quarterback is the leader of the team. doesn't matter which team um, you're talking about. If the quarterback isn't leading, they're probably not going to a Super Bowl. They're probably not competing at the top of the league. Um, then I, I would say the third most important thing is winning. More than any player, more than anything else, they're, they're the three most important things. And then by all means, I've got no issue saying, yeah, if you want to argue Javis Landry is the number four on that list, I would happily say, hey, you're probably right. But if Jarvis Landry isn't that is his culture isn't that amazing that it overcomes everything a head coach and everything's doing then quite frankly we should be praising Kevin Stefanski more than we should be praising Jarvis Landry and by all means if you've got an answer to that and you can let me know by all means I'm, I'm all ears and people send me like Brown's hype videos as the justification or um, an interview someone did I'm not interested in that why did it go down in 2019 if you cannot answer that then you can't say his impact is that beneficial because if it's that beneficial, the culture wouldn't have got worse in 2019, but ran over. Yeah. I mean, the prime example, the Arizona game last or in 2019, when he came on the sidelines and him and Freddie kitchens had gotten into it. I think that was kind of when like you seen Landry, you know, trying to like say, Hey, we need to get the, you need to get us the ball. And like, I think that was a direct message where he was frustrated and he was trying to be a leader, but at the same time, Freddie kitchens, I don't, I don't think like the way Freddie was handling all that. I don't think it was good for anybody. And I think you just finally seen Landry snap. I think he tries to be like as much of a positive person and influence on that team as possible. But when you had Freddie kitchens, who was a terrible head coach and a terrible leader, like I just feel like at that point, like, Guys like that, guys like Landry that are, you know, trying to be the leaders just like can't can't overcome that just because of the ineptitude at the top. Yeah, and it just gets into that debate of, hey, try, trying to put a dollar value on this stuff. It's the intangibles. I get there's intangibles. Um, 
But for me, it's production first and intangibles are nice to have on top of that. Um, and yeah, there's rare circumstances. If you were bringing in, say, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, these sort of troubled players, then I'm like, hey, may, no, I don't class OBJ in that before anyone tries to put it in there. Of um, I'm talking really troubled individuals of going, look, yeah, we pay slightly more for him, but we've got Antonio Brown on two million a year. And so that overpay for Jarvis of whether you say three, four million a year, you're going, hey, you've actually got Antonio Brown that should be on 15 million, 16, 17 million a year. And he's on three because he's a problem child <laughs> is, the, I think, the best way to put it. And you're going, hey, Jarvis is keeping him straight and that's there. By all means, that's something that you can get into that discussion. and I can sort of understand that. Um, but Tom Brady's doing that in Tampa. He's got basic Antonio Brown living there. No issue with it. Um, keeps him on the straight and narrow. So there's no justification for that. If you're saying Kevin Stefanski cannot coach this team without Jarvis Landry there, then you're saying Kevin Stefanski's out of his depth. You, you, you can't have one without the other. If, if you're saying the culture in this dressing room is down solely to Jarvis Landry, you get rid of him, then Baker isn't the same player, Kevin Stefanski isn't that good a head coach, then by all means, if, if you want to push the line, Kevin Stefanski's out of his depth and Jarvis Landry's carrying him, I don't agree with you, but fine. Uh, my, my issue is pe people are just pointing to, they watch Browns hypes video, they watch sort of building the Browns, they're like 100%. They've shown me this 10 minute clip and I'm, I'm all in on whatever they're pushing me. And it, it's on par with like propaganda. I, I love some of the stuff that comes out. Hard Knocks is great fun, but you don't watch a 10 minute clip and be like, they, they, they've told me how it works behind the scenes. Be, be smart, guys. Be smart. So getting back on track, like when you look at the article, you know, you you threw a number out there to what, what you think. If the Browns cut Landry, this is what he could get on the open market. But if they were to do an extension um, compared to other slot receivers around the league, what would be the dollar amount to you? And, yeah. And do you think it's worth it? Yeah. So I'll just sort of, talk through the theory of how we get to the number. I won't bore you with all the details, guys. Go to the dogland.com. It's all written there. It's all recorded, super transparent. Um, basically, just took Jarvis Landry's career. Um, last three years, because throw out all of that sort of previous Miami stuff, etc. But effectively, he plays 59% of snaps in the slot, 40% out wide. So for anyone going, hey, he's not a slot wide receiver. I've got this article where Stefanski says this. Quite frankly, Proofs in the pudding, where's he playing the snaps? Um, and they are in the slot. That's not to say slot wide receivers are bad. So we took the group of slot wide receivers, that are the highest paid guys in the league, um, break them down. Golden Tate, 77% in the slot. Crowder, 73%. Boyd, 71%. Cooper Cup, 63%. Landry, 59%. Lockett, 58%. Keenan Allen, 50%. Tyreek Hill, 50%. Shepard, 48%. We can take some guys out of that. Shepard, Crowder, Tate, they're not in the same... Um, space as Jarvis Landry, Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen in the same way, not in the same space as Jarvis Landry. Um, so he's left with a group. Tyler Lockett, Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry, Cooper Cup. Gives you a nice group. They're the sort of guys you're basing his contract off that he can sort of compete, be related to. All of them guys, including Jarvis, are on their second deal. And this is effectively working on, hey, we're going to go to Jarvis, ask him for a discount, add on some extension years. What is his market worth? 
So I came with the number of, it's about 6% overall. So similar to Tyler Lockett, it's third deal. So it worked out 47.5 million over four years. That, that for me, if he was a free agent, I think that's a fair, this is the number I think he's going to get on the open market. Um, 12 million a year, just under, it's good money. Hey, no one's there going, hey, you're going to go poor on 12 million a year. Um, and then let's add that in. His, the issue comes down to his current deal, two years, is 31.4 million. So if you're going to him and going, hey, let's rework your deal and make it a 47.5 million over four year deal, he's going to look at that and go, so you want to add two new years onto my contract and you're going to pay me 16.1 million for that. That ain't going to happen because you're going to ask him to take 8 million a year for those two new years. And that's effectively what you're going to say to the guy. And this is where the big problem comes to because if he was on the open market, he'd go 47.5 million. Great. Yeah, I think that's fair. If you're asking him to add two new years to his deal at 16 million, that that is just so far under the market value he's going to get. Obviously, we we can touch on later and where he fits based on sort of being a slot, but that's the issue. And then obviously, so I said, hey, we're not going to get him onto 47.5 over four years. What if we went, hey, let's add him two new years at this new market value. We realize you're overpaid for these last two years. Let's try sort of balance it out there and give him two years at um, was it 11.875. That brings him in at 55 million over f- four on his new deal, which is still an overpay. We've said his market values um, a lot less than that. But I think that could be a realistic route if they want to do that. I think if they want to keep him around, unless they're willing to go to him and say, hey, take a pay cut or we'll put you on the open market, then it's probably a case of let him play one more year and then decide what you want to do. And and as well, the, the crazy thing is people say, hey, Jarvis loves playing with OBJ. OBJ loves playing with Jarvis. They're two bright dudes. They know only one of them two is getting the third NFL contract. And they're both going to have three contracts, at least in the NFL, in Cleveland. You're not going to have both of them here long term. So in four years time, you're not going to have these two guys on the Browns. Even in three years time, you're not going to have them both here. um, Unless one of that's their final year. Um, So it it comes down to, hey, as soon as you deal, extend one, the other one's going to be sitting there going, hey, can I get a trade? I love playing with my mate, but I want to be able to know that I can give money to my family for, for, for ages because neither's got any guaranteed money. They're, they're, they're both at risk. Um, so I think that's a, a realistic option. Um, they're going to take, they're, they're smart business people. They're going to take the emotion out of it and go, hey, I, I want to get paid. Um, can you move me to another team? Yeah, that was the same conversation I had with my coworker, and he goes, well, if they move Landry, OBJ is going to be upset, and I think it's going to trickle down throughout the locker room. And I, much like you, they know it's a business. They know at the end of the day, they still got to do what's best for them and their families and not worry about the friendship. Like, the friendship's going to be there. They've been friends for nearly a decade now, going back to their LSU days. They know they're not going to be together on the same team forever. Like they're enjoying what they got now, but they know like it, it could all end. They know like Beckham had to deal with the trade rumors in New York. Uh, if Landry gets cut, like he's obviously 
watched what's happened with OBJ so he can learn from that and how to deal with it. it and it, you, you said, like, does Landry fit? Dr. Rick here. Another sign you're becoming your parents is getting particular about details that don't matter. The craziest thing happened when we got tacos the other day. Was it Wednesday or Thursday we got tacos? I know it wasn't Tuesday because that's when I went to my hairdresser. Shoot, what day was it? See how we all lost interest there? Progressive can't help you from becoming your parents, but we can help you compare rates on home insurance with HomeQuote Explorer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This scheme right now. I don't think he does. And if you look at what the Browns should do, like watching Kansas City, watching some of these other teams, and you compared him to other slot receivers, all those other slot receivers that you compared Landry to in terms of their contracts, they're all much better athletes too. And I feel like that's what the Browns need to do is get better athletes at the wide receiver position. Like they have good receivers. Landry's a good receiver. Higgins is a good receiver. But in terms of their athleticism, they don't compare to an Odell Beckham or a Tyler Boyd or a Cooper Cup. And I feel like that's what the Browns need to do. And, you know, and even though what Landry brings in terms of leadership, he's not as fast as some of these other receivers and he's not as big as these other receivers. And I feel like that's what the Browns kind of need to do, especially if they're going to try to compete for Super Bowls and and continue this sustained success that they're trying to build. Yeah, and just sort of delving more into that sort of slot-wide receiver numbers. Obviously, you go to the article, it's broken down, but I took all nine of those wide receivers, they play on eight different teams, and just said, hey, what percentage of three plus wide receiver sets do they use because that's the key thing if you've got two wide receivers playing they're generally going to be on the outside um so how often do they have a third wide receiver that's naturally in the slot so we've got the bengals 83 percent jets 78 percent Chiefs 73 percent chargers 71 percent seahawks 68 percent rams 65 percent Giants, 55%. Browns, 44%. And then take those ones that are under 66%. Go back a year ago. Rams, they were 77%. I think it's just a one-year downturn. Um, We know Sean McVay absolutely adores 11 personnel. So that's going to go up. Um, The Giants were 74%. A new change of head coach means, hey, these players don't suit me anymore um, in Shepard and Tate. And effectively, I honestly believe it's the same with the Browns. They were 65% a year ago. So there's fundamentally a debate going forward, and neither's wrong. You can have Jarvis Landry, but it needs to. we need to get that number up of 44% of three wide receiver usage to over 66%. Or you move on from Jarvis Landry and you keep the two tight end system that obviously Stefanski is a fan of Baker seems to thrive in because even last year that was his best play when there was extra tight ends out there. Um, And it's the issue is Jarvis Landry is good at what he does, but he is what he is. And he's a guy that plays in the slot. 
And just because you play in the slot doesn't mean you're a plodder as well. Because this idea that people have in the slot of, hey, it's your short, slow guy, just because it, that worked a little bit for New England doesn't mean it's the same for everyone else. Tyreek Hill is a slot receiver um, and he could do crazy stuff. We saw it in the playoffs. Um, I think we're all aware. Um, and if you're going, hey, do you want Tyreek Hill or do you want Jarvis Landry in the slot? Mm, I don't think it's a difficult question for anyone to answer. Um, and I, I, it's, that's the thing Browns fans are fundamentally struggling to sort of accept. And I, I get there is an emotional attachment to Jarvis Landry. Um, I fully understand that. But it's a two-tight end scheme or it's Jarvis Landry and the three wide receiver scheme. And who knows? Stefanski could go, hey, I want to change the scheme. I feel Jarvis Landry is important. We can keep him here. We can do that. We're going to trade David Njoku off because we don't need a, a second tight end if we're going to only use it on sort of 25% of plays rather than as high. Um, and let, let's get up to 66% plus of three wide receiver, four wide receiver. So I'm not saying, hey, you have to get rid of Jarvis Landry. I'm saying, hey, you have a fundamental choice. It's Jarvis Landry or it's the two tight end system. They cannot efficiently coexist. No, they can't. And it's I, I would love to be in the room right now with, you know, Coach Stefanski and Andrew Barry and company. And to see, like, like how are they debating this? Not just for this year, but, like, moving forward. Like, are they going to – does, like, does Stefanski want Landry around, but does he know that he might have to make changes to his offensive scheme to accommodate him? Like, and then, you know, Andrew Barry's probably like, well, then if we want to keep him around, like, how are we – how's this going to affect us at contract negotiations? It would – there's so many levels to it. And I would just be – I would love to be a fly on the wall while they're having these debates, if they're having these debates. Yeah, no, it's it for fans that go, no, they'd never discuss that. That they're discussing every single player. If you haven't thought that they've had a discussion whether Baker Mayfield's the guy, um, then you really not understanding what this front office is about. Every single one of the six, uh, 53 players, they'll have put on the board and gone, what do we think? And they'll they'll have had a decent debate. I would be shocked if there's any one of those maybe outside of my boy Charlie Hewlett that hasn't had 20 to 30 minutes just on them. But just on this sort of one player, hey, what do we do? What are the options? Um, and they'll start big picture. How a lot of people in sort of the academically gifted or however you want to work out, I'm, I'm not that academically gifted, but I get what they're trying to do, is you start from the biggest possible list of things and then you start ruling stuff out. You go, hey, well, we like this guy. What do we have here? Um, and then you work, hey, what can we do? What do we need um, to get the most out of this player? Is this player someone we want long term? They're going to go through all of that. And they are incredibly detailed. Um, and that's great. It's a really nice thing to have after years of just uh, slap it on the board. Let's do it um, sort of vibe. Obviously, I, I'm sure John Thorsey did more than that. But that's the vibe I got from him. It's like, hey, just uh, let's do it. Um, there is going to be an incredible amount of detail and Stefanski is going to be on board with Barry, Deeper Desters in step. Um, they're three smart dudes and they'll come to the right conclusion. Would I be shocked if Jarvis Landry is here next year? No. Um, I don't think it's the most efficient use of resources, but can I see him getting a contract extension in the Browns this offseason? Their number just doesn't work. Unless they're genuinely happy to walk into the room and go, hey, well, 
we and it probably won't even go straight to Landry or they might bring Landry and his agent in and go, look, this is what we're thinking. Hey, this is where the team's going. We're using two tight ends more. We're happy for you. If you want to walk away, sign another deal somewhere else, do like the JJ Watt route. Nice video. Explain. They'll come out and say, hey, this might be why. And they'll let him go and get into the market. Because they there's a lot of respect for Jarvis Landry, so they probably want him to hit the market before um, roster um, sort of free agency and stuff happens um, because that's the best route for him. Gets out there early, gets more money, better opportunities. What they don't want to do is if you if you cut him in sort of April, Mar- uh, May, June, that that's really tough because teams have spent their money, especially in this cap, seller cap year, and then he's taking a much cheaper one year deal. Um, and you don't you don't want to get into that room of sort of room almost being seen as bullying agents, players. They did it a little bit with Vernon. Um, it can't be in every off-season. Else they're just going to ask for massive roster bonuses, everyone, or like fully guaranteed final years of their contracts if they're here like three days into the season because no one will trust the front office. And by, by all signs, agents, people really, really rate the front office. Yeah, I think if it got to that where they cut them in like April or May, you know, once like salary cap spaces, and that's just bad business too. I feel like if they're going to make a move, it would be like now or, or like next month, you know, right when free agency's getting started. Like if they want to make a move, like you think they'd do it then just for good business, just for both sides to where like Landry has a chance to go out on the market, get something good, get a good multi-year deal. But yeah, I just it, it's a it's a fascinating topic, obviously, because you know with Landry, what all he brings, and it it, it it it'll just be interesting, I think, to see if anything happens and how the Browns handle it, how would he handle it, and if there there's any side effect to it. But um, our final topic we're going to talk about, you know, there was a big headline this week: the NFLPA released, you know, the rollover cap, the cap rollover numbers, and. You know, the headline was the Browns lead in cap rollover because they had 30.8 million. So everybody thinks that we have 30, 31 million to spend in free agency. But if you go to over the cap or any of these caps, cap number sites, they say the Browns only have like 20 million. So, Jack, you wrote an article and you wrote and how does it affect all teams? And you focused on the Browns as I mean, as you would, we, we, we cover the Browns here and you talk about like, what what it means, how much cap space do the Browns really have, and how does it all materialize? So I'll let you have the floor. You explain what cap rollover means, what the cap space means, and all that. So the floor is yours, buddy. Yeah, so uh, uh, there's a lot more detail in the article, so by always jump over to the article and read it. Um, but effectively, I'll start with sort of halfway through. What What is the NFL salary cap? Um, what is cap space? So cap space is take whatever the annual salary cap is. So at the moment, the floor is 180 million. Um, could be more. We're talking probably 185, 188, but effectively doesn't matter for the moment. Add your cap rollover from last year, and there, which is obviously 30 million, and then minus off all of the players you're currently playing this year and all the dead cap and everything else, uh, IR, etc. And that's what you get to cap space. So people look at cap space, oh, hey, we've got all this money. It's going to be there forever, et cetera. That's what the issue is. And to be fair, I, 
I, I don't blame a lot of fans with this. It's, a lot of it's the pundits and the people who should know better peddling absolute crap. Um, it's just poor um, journalism in many cases. So cap space is effectively one year spending power. And I'm just going to use an example of family A and family B to sort of get this home of sort of cap space is how much money can you spend over the next year. So if you're, all you're doing is one year deals, you by all means you can spend all your cap space. You've got nothing to roll over to next year, but all the players are then off your books. So we'll ha- we've got family A. They've got an annual income of $100,000 and $25,000 in their savings account. So they would have a spending power of 125000 this year. Then we've got family B. They've got an annual income of 20000 but they've got 150000 sat in their savings account. So they've got a spending power of 170000 So this is effectively what we get into. You've got family A that's got... $25,000 in their savings account. Family B, that's got 150000 in their savings account. But that family B has a massive cap space, spending power, whatever you want to call it. The issue is, if you blow all $170 million in one year, so you spend the $20 million of income you've got, sorry, 20000 of income you've got on the $150,000 you have got in your savings account, how much can you spend next year? Well, it's 20000 it, it, it's not there again next year, that money. And that's sort of where the people need to sort of understand that the, the cap rollover is just savings account. Once you blow all your savings, and if you want to go out and have an awesome weekend and blow every single penny of savings you've got in the world, you can't go out next weekend and spend that money you no longer have. <laughs> so that's sort of people need to understand that just because there's this list of, hey, all these teams have got cap space, it doesn't effectively mean this is their spending money for this year, next year, etc. It's a one-year window. And then we get into um, where do the Browns currently spend? How, how much money are they spending? If we look at their active roster and how much dead money, the Browns are the 11th most expensive team in the NFL. 11th. We're not... We're not poor in terms of how much we're spending we are spending massive amount of money um there's only a few teams currently spending more than us just to run through them rams falcons bears vikings raiders packers chiefs steelers Eagles, saints and if we had no cap rollover this year we'd actually be doing shows at the moment talking about how we can cut about 10 million off of our roster so we're compliant with the cap on the uh, 17th of March. That would be the debate we're currently having. That is how much money is in this team. So there is a lot of money spent on this team, as there has been. The last four years, the Browns have spent, this is going to be the fourth consecutive year, the Browns have spent more than the NFL allows teams to spend. They've been using that savings, digging into it, which they're perfectly no issue, issue with doing. But if you look over a four-year window, we're going to potentially be the most expensive team in the NFL. And you have to ask yourself, have we got the results we want? Probably not. And this cap space, the number looks great. Hey, you've got 20 million. Let's go out and spend it. If, if you sign JJ Watt at 25 million, well, that that that's it all spent and more. Obviously, it will still be on this cap, cap year because, hey, half of that money or et cetera is going to be into next year. But 
the money is finite it's savings account money we're working off now it's not your annual cap and, and that's the key point and by all means go to the article sort of read through that section really sort of try to understand it if you've got any questions by all means tweet at me dms are open I, I can go in sort of use different examples but effectively we're spending more than we're allowed every single year this is going to be the fourth year of doing that the buck's going to stop at some point yeah and to like further on with what you what you said you had mentioned like the browns can create salary cap space and you actually wrote about this with your cap magic article which was great um, if anybody has to check that out, please go do so at the dogland.com. But the Browns can move money into future years with guys that are on multi-year contracts. Beckham, Landry, uh, you mentioned Conklin, Hooper, you know, the uh, Treader and Batonio. You can take the cap space and push it into further years, which some of the teams that are the top spenders, like the Saints, the Eagles, they've done that. But now they're having to sacrifice because they push their money into future years and now they are way over the salary cap so uh, if you want to add on that talk about how the browns can you know create more cap space just by pushing some current money into the future yeah so loads of fans sort of see hey you can create money by doing this stuff and it's almost a lie of using the word create um it's it's not create borrow is probably a much better example um as you sort of said because you're borrowing it from the future if you went hey Let's use some cat magic, create this 35 million extra. And that's what we can create by those players. Uh, Jack mentioned and tweeted about it uh, over the weekend. But effectively, you can create 35 million worth of space by moving money from this year into signing bonus, which stretches it over the future. And where does that 35 million go? Well, effectively, it just becomes... 24 million on next year's cap that you've already spent 10 million on the year after's cap and 1 million on the year after that. So you're just spending money in the future. Um, it, it's basically like, Hey, you went out there and, um, I don't know if you have the same thing in sort of the U S you have in the UK, buy a sofa, don't pay a penny today. And then over the next three years, you pay it back. The next five years, you'll pay it back. Um, 0% interest. Um, you'll just say it's a 300 pound sofa. You pay nothing um, up front and you pay £100 over year one, 100 over year two, 100 over year three. That's effectively what you're doing. So you're getting the asset now and you're paying for it in the future. You, you don't suddenly get anything extra in those future years. You're just paying it off that you've already used it. Um, and so that, that's sort of the, the key thing to understand with this of, hey, I've pointed, let's magic up £35 million to spend this year. That's fine. You've then got to cut 24 million next year. Who are you cutting? What player is that? You're going to cut 24 million out of the roster. Is is that someone that you go, hey, we're we going to let uh, Sheldon Richardson walk? We're going to cut Jarvis Landry, and that's 24 million saved next year. Um, th that's the sort of stuff of when you're going, hey, to borrow it from the future, borrow it from the future. The Saints are the perfect example this year of when that eventually catches up with you. It's brutal. Um, and at the same time, obviously, we'll touch on the article I wrote really early in the offseason. Um, what happens when you pay Baker? And at the moment, we're effectively not paying Miles Garrett yet. We've got another two years before the Miles Garrett money like really hits us. Um, so you've got to 
be ready for this because you're going to have a shift where there's like eight, nine, ten. I'd say it's more than that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's about ten is what you would call. They're paid like top five at their position. They're paid big money players. You can take that down to about five across the entire team. And one of them's Baker, one's Miles, one's Ward. Um, you probably have two on offense, one on defense. So let's say six. You can have six guys. At the moment, you've got loads. You've got three of them on your O-line. <laughs> and, and I'm saying, you're right, you can have three across the rest of the team. So um, your Baker, Jarvis, um, your Odell Beckham, your Sheldon Richardson, all of these guys, you've got to move the way the roster's constructed. It's going to be built around three guys. No issue with doing that. But that's going to be Baker, who takes up effectively like three people's money. Miles Garrett takes up two people's money. Um, Ward's going to take up at least like one and a half. Um, so th- these guys suddenly start filling out your roster. But you can do some magic with this stuff. But at the same time, they don't want to... S- just don't look at cap space and be like, that's all the money gone. The thing that I always look at every single year is what is the budget? So this year, whether it's 180 million, um, let's talk about last year. It was 198.2. Anytime we were spending over that, I'm like, I was starting to wince. I was like, do we really need to spend that? That's always the question. It's like, if you're in the same way in life, if you're spending over the money you're bringing in each month, you really need to sit there and think, hmm, should I really spend this? And it's, it's not a life and budgeting podcast, so I won't go too far down that route. But um, any normal person is asking that question. And um, yeah, so if you're ever looking at, say, roster building, what's the number to look to? Annual budget the NFL sets, whatever that number is. Obviously, put it to one side this year. If it's 180, 185, it's gone down. It's usually going up. So in future years, it would be better idea to use this is a bit of a wacky year and they might just say hey we've got the cap space we're going to operate with our 210 million cap which is what it would have been no covid um in that area and then we're just going to process forward fine makes sense that you've just got to operate with those numbers and just sort of be like right we're spending over budget cap rollover is it's not free money yeah, I mean, you look at it right now, the Browns have 82.6 million in cap space projected right now for 2022. If they were to roll guys over or push push money back, that would effectively take us where we couldn't spend that. We wouldn't have that much money to work with if you're going to push money into the future. And, you know, I laugh at the people that say the salary cap's a myth. There's ways they can do it. Yeah, the Saints have shown there's ways you can add talent. The Eagles have shown it. The Steelers have shown it. Now they're in the spot where they can't, they can't, well, they can push money into the future, but at some point it's catching up to them. And unfortunately, because of COVID, this year's the year where it's caught up to them in a big way. And now they're going to have to make sacrifices to their roster in order to get back down, to get back within an effective budget to where they can try to compete. Yeah. Because if, if it weren't for COVID, it's only Steelers, Eagles, Saints that are really bricking it and worried. Um, some of them other teams are they're creating cap space because hey, you might look at this guy that we're paying thirteen million to one and a half millions dead cap. Let's cut him because we can actually go and spend that twelve and a half million on someone better. And and that's the question. It's not just hey, we're paying this, it's like can we use this money better? 
And value in the NFL is just how much you're overproducing, whether it's where you drafted, whether it's sort of the free agency signing of how much that's worth. Um, and as well, these numbers that we're talking about of like they're already spending 188.5 million on their 51 man roster. That's working on the basis of Vernon's left. Um, all these free agents have already left. Ogan Joby's off that number. Um, so when someone goes, oh, they, they were paying Vernon like 10 million last year, they can just use that 10 million. That 10 million is already spent on someone else. <laughs> the, these deals are already, uh, that's already covered. Um, you work off that sort of number and yeah, they're on 188.5 on their 51 man. They've got half a million in dead cap across Austin Cyber and Chad Thomas. Um, so that's basically 189 million they're spending. Um, I would say they, they they could probably up for going sort of 10 million, 15 million over the cap this year. Um, and obviously when, when we talk about backloading these deals, a player like Hooper, they could walk away from after two years. That's fine. The, the contract's designed that if they want to walk away after two years, it's great. There's still going to be an 11 million bill in that third year when he's not on the team, regardless if he's here or not, that's what they've got to pay. And the deal's designed so that there's only like 11 million uh, point, 11.75 in the first two years, and then there's a dead cap left afterwards. And that's not a dead cap in guaranteed salary or anything. That's just because they went super cheap in those first two years. So um, the backloading deals means there's even less cap space in the future, as Jack said. Um, but yeah, it, I, I always work off what is the number? Take it with a pinch of salt this year. If we get to 185, I think they're like, right, we'll happily spend 15 of this. We're going to work on a 200 million salary cap number. That that That's where they're going to be because you always need some cap rollover. It's important to have just to give you a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah, it's always good to have some flexibility just, in, you know, to go out and sign a potential free agent to work out a potential trade, like having the flexibility is good. And, but I'm just so fascinated to see how they're going to, how they're going to maneuver the cap. How's uh, Andrew Barry going to uh, put a competitive team out while keeping some of the core guys. He's already signed miles Garrett. We're expecting Baker to get an extension, potentially Denzel Ward, potentially Nick Chubb, potentially Wyatt Teller and still manage to put together a competitive playoff team for not only 2021, but for 2022, 2023, and so on. So uh, I know people are going to get mad sometimes when we let players go, but you have to make sacrifices in order to keep a winning product out on the football field. Yeah, and uh, these are players you've got to replace. You've got to replace Olivia Vern. You've got to replace Kevin Johnson, Terrence Mitchell, Cole Joseph, BJ Goodson, uh, Malcolm Smith, Sandejo, uh, Joby, Rashad Higgins, all of these guys, you've got to replace some way. And whether you want to bring them back, whether you want to do it in the draft, fine. If you want to draft guys and all the holes this offseason, every single hole you want to fill on defense is by the draft, great. No issue with that. If you want to sign JJ Watt, where's that money coming from? If you want to sign Marcus Williams, like I do, um, where's the money coming from to do his deal? This is sort of the question that people need to understand. Every addition, pretty much this offseason, needs to result in an uh, a subtraction. So lots of people are like, hey, Claiborne's going to stay. Claiborne's good. He's a nice depth piece. Quite frankly, for $3 million, you can do one. Um, he doesn't have that value to me 
of like, I really like this guy. If you sign JJ Watt and you draft someone in the second round, am I paying three million for my fourth edge? Not a chance. Um, give me uh, Port Augustine there at like less than a million. Um, that That's sort of what you're looking. So the bottom of these rooms are going to be super cheap. And there's going to be tough, tough choices. If you're sat there going, by all means, sit there and write your free agent list that you want the Browns to sign. Add the numbers to the salary cap and then sit there and wince. Uh, and naturally, what you can do is no issue with it. Uh, and that's the moment when you've got to sit there and start cutting guys out. And it, it's why when when I look at, hey, I put my dream 53 out there, people are like, oh, why have you got rid of these three players? I'm just like, well, I wanted to add a JJ Watson. I want to add Marcus Williams. I want to add KJ Wright. I want to add Rashad Higgins. Their money's got to come from somewhere. Um, and that's sort of the key thing. So I'm going to work on a really interesting piece that I sort of started with. Uh, here's where the Browns have got to be in 2023 and beyond because Baker Ward, Chubb, uh, Baker Ward, uh, Miles's money's there. And obviously you another one, if you want to pay Chubb, that, where's that money coming from? Um, some people didn't like when I said, hey, if I gave you an option, same money, it's Hunt and... Landry or it's Chubb and Higgins well, that's it it's, it's all opportunity costs people go it's not my money I don't care that's the owner's problem but it is your team and your team has to decide do you want option A or option B and it might not be that exact option of they look at Landry and Hunt and they look at Chubb and Higgins and they go right I want to do this or do I want to do that but those are the sort of decisions that the real front office has to deal with and people that tweet me and go oh we don't want to have to deal with this and think about this as fans uh, fine, but then don't have a single opinion on the draft on free agency or any of this stuff, because every, everything cannot be dealt with in a silo. The draft affects free agency, free agency affects the cap, the cap affects the draft. All three are interlinked and um, that that's effectively good team problems. And I'll keep repeating this on podcasts and people don't really sort of understand the difference the Browns are in from two, three years ago. They've got too many good players, and that's awesome. But at the same time, you can't keep everyone. We haven't gone into the settings and turned uh, the salary cap off on Madden. Unfortunately, Roger Goodell is not turning that button, so uh, you're going to have to learn to live with it. And the fact that you release a guy that's an above-average starter or trade him or something like that, that just means you're awesome and your team's probably competing for a Super Bowl. Good team problems. We love them. We're happy to have them. They create interesting conversations. There's going to be some pain where you're like, why did they do that? And then next season, you're like, huh, they want some more games. They might have won a Super Bowl. Yeah, it sucks. Your favorite player might not have been a part of it, whoever that is, whether that's Tavier Thomas, um, whether that's Jarvis Landry, whether that's Nick Chubb, whether that's OBJ, whether that's Betonio in three, four years' time. Yep. Unfortunately, I'm more cared about whether the Browns win a Super Bowl than does my favorite player get to a playoff without a doubt and you know like we say numerous times during these podcasts or previous ones go check out jack duffin's work at the dogland.com he puts time and solid effort into each piece uses a ton of data from other you know sources and he he puts out great content we talked about three articles he just did he's wrote over a dozen articles over the past month 
uh, breaking down the Browns roster, breaking down potential contract extensions. Like Jack does some serious solid work. And Jack, do you have anything else coming down the pipeline here uh, as we inch closer towards free agency? Um, I think I mentioned it on the last pod, but if I didn't, I really, really wanted to write on a Harrison extension, but that can't happen because he's only had like 240 snaps or 360 snaps, was it last year? And neither side's getting around the table to extend him. The Browns won't pay at that. He won't want to do a deal that is that cheap because he's like, hey, I'm going to have an awesome year. Everything's primed to go on this defense. I'm not signing it now. So I've got the three-year plan coming in. I've got probably a piece on comp picks. I'm going to write on the four different types of free agency. I'm going to write on the options for slot versus corner um, because I think that's going to be an interesting one because fans are looking, hey, talking about silos again, they're looking at the cornerback room and then they're looking at the safety room. It's it's big picture, guys. So um, what you're doing, one impacts the other versus draft versus uh, free agency. And the key thing is free agency happens before the draft. So don't go, this is the guy we're going to draft at. 26 he's 100% going to be there and then we're not going to do this in free agency you've got to prepare for every scenario um and then i think that's it i might do a standalone piece just on slot corner but that might end up in the slot versus uh safety investment how to do it i'm not saying invest in one or the other i'm going about how you invest it i'll I'll come up with about five different suggestions probably in the article for do they go this route this route this route um and then by all means you let me know if there's any article you're sat there going hey I want it. I want something on this. If, even if it's a simple question, I can answer it. DM, tweet me. Um, but if you want a full article, then by all means, send it my way and, I, and I'll work on it. And as we wrap things up, go ahead and plug your Twitter. Uh, plug the other podcast you do with Paul Brown and Ian Wright, and we'll get on out of here. So the Twitter is Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. Um, the podcast, we've got a major shakeup. Um, new format coming for you. So uh, check that out on Monday. Um, it can be your lovely little 15-minute installment every single day, seven days a week. Even Christmas Day, we'll, we'll drop a podcast. Um, so it's going to be really quick. We're going to have one topic. We're going to go deep on it, and we're going to cover it all off in 15 minutes. So uh, check that out. It's the Paul Brown Podcast. Um, but no, some exciting stuff um, happening over there. And where can people find you, buddy? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JackMcCurry08. You can check out The Dogland at The Dogland on Twitter as well as Facebook. Uh, check out thedogland.com for all you know great content from Jack, myself, all our team over at The Dogland. Um, and until next time, which whenever that may be, cause we, don't, we don't have anything planned as of now, uh, go Browns. Go Browns. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.